Hello, everyone. Welcome to this next episode of Career Changing in Your 20s. This is the podcast where we talk about the ups and downs of career changing. We discuss different philosophies and mindsets around career changing in your 20s. And we also bring on special guests to discuss their own unique experiences and share insights they've gone through while navigating their own career changes or their own decisions in their 20s. So today we are interviewing Fred, a professional poker player. Fred and I went to undergrad together where he studied mechanical engineering and economics. Then after undergrad, he decided to be a professional poker player out of undergrad and has done this for five years now. So instead of taking a quote unquote traditional job, Fred will discuss and dive deeper into why he chose a non-traditional or non-corporate job. Not only why he chose to go this career route, but why poker specifically. He'll give us a week in the life and he'll talk about his future potential goals after poker. So thanks, Fred, for joining this podcast. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's been a while. So I'll give a little background on exactly what is poker. So poker is a card game played against other players where the goal of the game is to accumulate the most chips. And typically these chips uh, represent money. So you can win the money, which is accumulated through bets by either forcing the round to end and having the best cards in your own hand or forcing the opponents to concede their hand without actually showing their cards. And this is typically called a bluff. So that's just a short synopsis, but there are many variants of poker, but the most popular is No Limit Texas Hold'em, which is what Fred plays. So let's dive into it, Fred. Why did you choose poker over a quote unquote traditional job out of undergrad? So what happened was it took me five years to graduate. Uh, in the summer, right after I graduated, I got an internship, same city. And it was kind of like an operations role, I guess we'll say. And then I did that the whole summer. And then I, I just continued that in September. And then I think around midsummer, I was playing poker after work some days. So they were they were pretty close. So I'd go straight from work to casino. And I would just start doing that. And then around the same time, like September-ish. So are you familiar with someone named Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, so he, I saw like a Facebook clip of him like on my feed during that time and he's all about do what makes you happy take risks when you're young mm -hmm. yada yada so basically in that clip it was saying if you're young like now's the time to take risks mm -hmm. so i was kind of thinking like playing poker as like a quote-unquote job if i were to do that later it's like way more risky and if I do it now, like, hey, what's the worst that could happen? Like, I just graduated college. If I try this for a year or two and it doesn't work yeah. out, like nothing, it's not a big deal, right? So basically that was the catalyst that made me late September, early October, I just I just quit the internship and then I just played poker full time, I guess. But why did you choose poker specifically? Did your friends play a lot? Did you how did you get into that yeah, yeah. game? Um I I started how most people probably started and it's just playing with friends. Mm -hmm. So in high school I so many people played on uh did you ever play poker on facebook zanga like yeah i've heard yeah, of yeah. so yeah. i was like dabbling on there and it's once i turned 21 i went to the casino for the first time okay in the u.s it's like most states you go to 21 yeah. most casinos would have poker tables and games running so yeah i just did that and then here we are today. but at 21 going to the casino still in college you don't have that much money right it's kind of yeah. scary so how it is how did you, were you confident? Was it scary going the first time? How, I was, it, how it was is, that experience? It is actually like pretty intimidating. I think I, yeah. I think it's like common among most people who go for the first time. And I mean, you can share your experience on this. Like, yeah, it's really, it's pretty nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
it's pretty nervous. Uh, and, and you feel like people can tell that it's your first time because like most right. of the time people can tell it's your first time. So yeah, uh, I was pretty nervous, but then like kind of calmed down pretty, okay. pretty quickly after a little bit. What I've deeper into the mindset of a poker player, especially if you want to play professionally and the pros and cons of choosing this career path. I think what would be interesting here, Fred, is what exactly does a week in the life look like from Sunday to Saturday? And especially, I think, since most people do typical corporate jobs Monday through Friday, it would be really interesting to hear what does your schedule look like and why? Before I answer that, I'm going to go back a little bit, Okay. explain a few things. So one, I would say there's two main formats of poker within like any poker variant, mm -hmm. cash games and there's tournaments. So a cash game is typically what you see in like movies and shows where like people are at a table, like they have chips in front of them and people are like betting, blah, blah, blah. And that's the games that are constantly running at casinos. People have home games and you basically can buy in with money and you get chips the equivalent amount. And what you typically can do is just you sit down and then you can leave whenever you want. And then when you leave, you just cash out the amount of chips you have at the time. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can have more chips, you can have less chips, you can have no chips. So that's cash games. And tournaments is a completely different format. And basically everyone pays the same amount to get in a tournament it's called a buy-in. And then all those buy-ins collected together make up the prize pool of that tournament. Uh, a little bit is collect taken out of the prize pool to pay like the administration for running the tournament. And then collectively that prize pool gets broken down into like a first place, second place, third place, where first place always gets the most and then it goes down, but it's not linear. But yeah, it's just like a typical tournament of like some other game, I guess, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, and another thing, there's live poker and there's online poker. So when I say live poker, that means in person. Mm -hmm. And then online is just you know, online. So my first, my first almost three years, so started in, you know, October 2017, those were pretty much exclusively, I was playing live cash games. Okay. So, you know, in person and then cash games. And once 2020 hit, I was planning on like Florida, like moving down to Florida. And I went to Florida and then boom, COVID hit mm -hmm. and it shut down like all the casinos and stuff. So all the like, live games. Yeah. So it just casinos you know, shut down. So I was like, what do, what do I do? So then I just basically started trying to play online, but tournaments and cash, the strategy is actually really different. Mm -hmm. So it's something I really had to study and kind of like go through that transition period. So ever since then, I pretty much exclusively play tournaments and mostly online. Largely stemming from COVID happening, the live games were shut down. And so a lot of your practice early on was as a result of that. And it was online tournament games instead of in-person live Yeah, my, my style, I think, is more suited for tournaments. But, okay. like, I could have went back to playing, like, mostly right. live cash, but I, I just stuck with tournaments and okay. online, yeah. And then, so, back to your question of, like, typical day. So, the main benefit, I, I'd say, of playing poker is the freedom, right? Mm -hmm. Or, like, a lot of these non-traditional jobs. That's the main pro. So, the first thing I'll have to say is my typical day is not necessarily a typical day of another poker player. First of all, they might be playing exclusively live cash, or mm -hmm. they might play like live tournaments only, or they might do like both, or they might play, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, so my typical schedule is functioning around where I put the most volume of tournaments, right? Mm -hmm. And that's 
this one site. And I look at the schedule of tournaments. There's tournaments every day mm -hmm. online. And I just basically play the biggest days where there's the biggest tournaments. Okay. And when I say biggest tournaments, I basically mean the biggest prize pools. And that kind of corresponds typically the most players because mm -hmm. more entries, more bigger prize pools. So what that means is Sunday is always, you know, around the world, it's always the biggest tournament day. And I don't know when it started, who created this or the pattern, but I guess it's because most people don't work on Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. So Sunday, I play almost every Sunday. I think last year, I missed two Sundays. And Monday is also a good day. Tuesday, Thursday are good. And then Wednesday sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I typically like to not play Friday and Saturday. Okay. And then amongst the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, ideally, I like to pick three out of those four days. Okay. Um, Why is Friday, Saturday? You you want a break or they don't have many options? Yeah, I just, I, it, it's a combination of those things. Yeah. Like one, typically the least amount of people play on Friday and Saturday because like, you know, it's the weekend. Right. And two, I also want to do stuff on the weekend, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And then a typical day will start on a weekday, I'll say, sun so Sundays are special, the, the days are longer. Okay. Uh, so I'll start with Sunday, I guess. Sundays, I'll typically start around 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. I try to start at 9 a.m. And that can go, I'll say, it'll end typically like 10.30 p.m. Okay. But this is like a rough estimate because it depends on all these tournaments, how, how far I'm in certain ones, right? Mm -hmm. So it could end earlier, it could end later. That's just the rough average. And then the weekdays, I'll say I typically start around 10, 10 30, mm -hmm. and then it will end maybe typically like 30. Okay. So typically your weekly hours are, what does that come out to? So I think that's, I think that's like 40 something. Yeah. About 40 like hours. Estimate. And yeah. then I do studying too. Okay. But I studying not that much. I guess it depends what you constitute as studying, but I'll say I'll bump it a few hours. So probably like total. I'd say on average 50, maybe. And it has this been pretty consistent over the five years or in terms of number oh, of yeah. hours? I'm, I'm basically saying the tournament schedule. So since I played tournaments, okay, since got it. The, 20, the mid 2020. Right. Okay. Got it. But you had to do a lot more studying in the beginning and training courses and things like that. Or how do yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah. I, would, okay. yeah. I would say a lot more studying in the beginning, but you, you really should be constantly studying. I constantly, I don't mean like every day per se. I just mean continuously. Right. Like okay. you can't be, yeah complacent got it okay yeah i think that's pretty clear so we talked roughly what a week looks like for you can you give us more detail on what a specific day looks like sure yeah so wake up you know typical morning routine and then get into the tournaments on a weekday we'll say around 10 10 30 and then you play multiple tournaments at a time and then depending on the person and the tournament is how many you'll be in at once mm-hmm Roughly, how many tournaments could you be in at once? So most people, I would say, have at least one monitor. I probably, on average, I mean, it changes throughout the day, right? Sure, so I'll just sure. Like, I'll just put it as an average. Yeah. Maybe we'll say like 12 tournaments. Okay. Could be running at one time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're just looking at your screen and clicking through all the different Yeah, there'll be different tables sound effects that indicate different actions, like it's on you, this person, uh, okay. this kind of thing. It's not it. Like, you get used to it pretty fast. Okay. Yeah, universally, poker sites and poker tournaments, they have their breaks at the same time. And that makes sense because if you're playing multiple tables, then and tournaments have breaks at different times. Like, how do you actually right. want a break? 
so they always break at the 55 of every hour so like 155 255 and then you get a five minute break and then all the tournaments start again mm -hmm. so so 10 o'clock and then all the way to when it ends we'll say like 9 p.m it's you get a five minute break so in a day let's say if i'm playing 10 hours and that's like 50 minutes of break total mm -hmm. which doesn't seem like a lot if you have someone it's who not, typically has right. like a corporate job you get like an hour lunch break or i don't even know how it works mm -hmm. so, so yeah, what do you do what do you I do for lunch? lunch like I, I always plan ahead so i typically meal prep okay and i just like eat while i'm playing got it so you have to understand that if you want to go into this okay like you're got gonna it. be you're not actually gonna have that much time like, mm -hmm. for breaks and stuff after a typical work session it it varies sometimes depending on the session it could be really long tiring uh, I might have a study session, so I have different Discord groups, I'm in different poker friends, and p using the software I have, I mark hands throughout the day, throughout the session, and I can go back and review those hands. So basically, for these kind of study sessions, you just get in a call with some people, and you go over the hand, and you basically get everyone's thoughts together, and mm -hmm. then you bounce off those thoughts. It's pretty, pretty cool and pretty productive. Uh, that's one thing. Another thing I can review hands... I mark, I can use different softwares to kind of like analyze my play. Mm -hmm. And that kind of is more technical. And then I could also just, I could just like chill and watch a movie if I want to, or I don't yeah, know, yeah, yeah. do whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. I guess going back to why you chose this career, what were you thinking, you know, out of undergrad and taking that chance to start playing poker? At what point did you realize that you could start doing this somewhat professionally and somewhat reliably as a career path and what pros and cons did you evaluate at that time was there a specific moment or was it kind of gradual after the first year of playing or so or a half year or a few months of well i think i kind of decided that i could potentially do this as a job mm -hmm. before i committed i quit the internship and did it okay right so I, it was like kind of during when i was at the end of school and when i was maybe starting the internship when i was playing part time right mm -hmm. like on the side and then after those multiple sessions it was hey maybe i could do this exclusively because you were winning or because because you yeah so so i was winning some but i wasn't like winning consistently I'll okay say. but it's just the possibility and i guess i was young too and so I just thought it was a really cool and unique opportunity. I'm just that you had potential to I'm just learn. kind of like a kid, right? And yeah. I could just go in whenever I want, sit down with, you know, this amount of money and go out, leave potentially with more money. Yeah. So that was, I mean, it could yeah. be very naive, but you know, that's what I, one of the things I thought for sure that went through my head. And then is there a point in time after you first started that, so I think we were talking before about how you maybe constantly or pretty frequently think about whether you should keep going or not, maybe earlier on when you first started. So how did you kind of go through that thought process of deciding to keep going either after a big loss or if there's some other factor? Are you asking like, oh, have I ever considered quitting or doing something? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like maybe a couple elaborate because I think your initial inspiration in the beginning is pretty clear, right? Just kind of going for yeah. it. But then along that, those first, and is it the first few months that happened a lot or the first year and did it kind of slow down or was it pretty consistent thinking of quitting and, and, and what was your thought process on why or why not you would do that? So actually the thoughts of me potentially wanting to quit didn't actually happen that much in the first year, I think. Oh, okay. The first year you typically start off playing low stakes 
Yeah. And then I also wanted to give myself a period of time, maybe a year to try it. Right. Because you want a big enough sample, something just could be, you could just be unlucky. Like there's a short period of time and yeah. you don't really know, but in poker, there's a lot of variance. That means that you can, the swings, you have big swings. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest cons of poker. You don't have a steady paycheck every two weeks or right. if it's a standard, there's a lot of swings and if you have a series of losses or, you know, a big loss, plus like a few losses, your break even for a while, those are all known as downswings. Mm -hmm. And it's very common to go on downswings at poker. Extremely common. Mm -hmm. Everyone goes through multiple. And every big downswing I'd say I had, I definitely considered quitting. Okay. And if you talked amongst poker players, that's a very common thing too. It's it's very natural when things are going very bad, you question your decisions, you question yeah. if you're actually good enough to win, you question it's it's very common to quit during these times. I don't know how many times I've had these big downswings where I've questioned quitting, but it's definitely happened. I'd say between four and eight times over just just throughout this whole history, right, five okay. years ish. So what what made you stay? So one thing that helps, I think, is having a good study routine or good study habits in general, mm -hmm. or just the, the fact that you're studying. Because a lot of what happens in downswings is negative variance, or you could be running bad. But a lot of it during downswings is also you're not playing your A game. Mm -hmm. Poker is very mental. And during the times when you're on a downswing, it's very probable you're not playing your A game. It's it's very difficult when one bad thing happens that you can completely not be affected by it. And then another thing that helps is having people basically around you that play poker also and know what's going on. So I have multiple friends that play poker and during multiple downswings and stuff, they would always, they would kind of reassure me that basically this is kind of temporary and no, you shouldn't quit because of X, Y, Z. Okay. Yeah. You're a winning player, blah, blah, blah. You know? Okay. Just like supportive friends in the industry as well. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm sure that's not exclusive to poker. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just... But, but overall, these are big, big downswings, but poker is typically considered gambling, right? Obviously some people can do it professionally and they're winning players, but how do you, how do you level set yourself going from okay, you're not necessarily gambling, but you're actually kind of being strategic and you know like how to manage. I guess all this is all to say, what kind of mindset do you need to have, right? As a poker player, what kind of mindset and skills and self-awareness do you have to be to, like we said, be in this profession where it's not a stable paycheck every two weeks? Yeah, that's, that's definitely a good point. Are you familiar with the Dunning-Kruger effect? No, what's that? So I think it, it it's something in psychology where basically it's common for people to think they're better at something than they actually are. Okay. So in poker, especially with all the luck that's involved, yeah, that's something that's extremely common. Uh -huh. So you're basically asking like, how does one differentiate something like that with them being actually good, right? Right. And I guess the main thing I would say to that is your sample needs to be big enough. And then basically your results over a big sample. Okay. Anyone can win over a short period of time, right? Yeah. But to win over a long period of time typically requires skill. And then the longer the period of time, the more skill. Mm -hmm. And then, then your next question might be what constitutes quote unquote long period of time. 
That typically is up in the air and debated. So it also varies because in in a live cash game or tournament, the pace is very slow compared to online. You have to interact with real people, real dealers. And online, you can play multiple tables at very fast pace, click, click, click. So typically, the sample for live is the required sample to be considered a large sample is way less live versus online. Mm -hmm. Online, this is really rough numbers spinning out, but I guess we'll say like a million hands, which to you might seem like a lot, but yeah. you really can put in that volume pretty quick. And okay. What's the live sample size, roughly? I mean, it's got to be at least thousands, I'd say. Okay. Maybe like at the minimum, minimum, 10,000, 25,000, I'd say. Okay. For you to know, for you to be able to separate, is yeah, this skill or even the then, Even then, you don't necessarily really know. So you have to just be somewhat confident with whatever strategy you're implementing. There, there are certain things that are pretty objective, right? One is how long have you played? How many hands have you played? And two is... Are you a winning player? Have you made money? How much, how consistently across what period of time, right? And even if you have those downswings, you can kind of look back. Do you, do you do that? Do you look back at those results and say, okay, I have this downswing. And if I just yeah. continue to study and, and, but is there a point where if you have multiple downswings, then that's it for you? Like, would you, would you quit if you had multiple downswings and aren't there gamblers fallacies and things like that, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, for sure. how do you so, kind of overcome and really logically or as objectively as you can evaluate how to keep going and, and so move on from that? To answer that, there's no 100% just right answer. That's, right, right. That's one of the difficult things about and unique things about poker. It's these, a lot of people think they're better than they are, right? So that creates a profitable environment mm -hmm. and ecosystem. It's not like you're in school, right? And you get things wrong on a test and you, you can go to a teacher and they'll will tell you what you did wrong, yeah. right? So in poker, first of all, the issue is you don't even know if what you did is right or wrong. Right. And because you could think that they just got lucky when in fact you actually made a bad decision and they made the correct decision in that, in that hand, in that moment. So that's the first thing. The first thing is being able to detect that there is a spot where there's an issue or a problem or a leak. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is how do you even fix the leak? Yeah. Let's say in this spot, you have this hand and you're supposed to be betting two thirds of the pot mm -hmm. and you're only betting like half of the size of the pot. But let's say in another situation, you're betting the size of the pot, pot size bet on the river. And you're supposed you you're not supposed to bet pot size. Mm -hmm. So now what do you do? Right? You could there's infinite things you could do. You could bet ten percent, twenty percent, thirty, yeah. five. You know, go all in. You could you could check back. Mm -hmm. So something that's I'd say fairly common amongst people who are really serious about making money in poker is that you get external coaching. Yeah, I was going to use a different word, but yeah, basically there's coaches you can hire. If you play online, a lot of people use software to track statistics, basically, like mm -hmm. create a database around a lot of variables and factors. And then you can have coaches or other people look at the statistics and find like anomalies or, or areas where, you know, this number should actually be this. Instead of 35 here, it should actually be more closer to 20, 28 mm -hmm. or something. And in order to do that, they can provide insight and be like, okay, so you're opening 20% like of the hands here. So in order, instead of doing that, you should lower that to like maybe like 16, 17% mm -hmm. and cut out ace, the ace rags, like ace five often lowered, yeah. you should fold now. Okay. 
Got stuff it. like that. So just if that answers that question. I think what would be cool to know is what are common traits among professional poker players? What kind of similar personality traits or skills do you have to be a certain level of risk tolerant to continue doing this? Or you know, what, what have you seen amongst the community that makes a professional poker player a professional poker player? Okay, so the first thing I'll say is that the title professional poker player is, it's not like some organization is get dishing out, oh, you're a professional, you're not. Mm-hmm. I personally just say it because I play poker as a profession. Like I could be bad and a yeah. losing player and <laughs> say, oh, I'm a professional poker player. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have people going around saying they're professional poker players who are not professional poker players or who are losing players. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like a hard metric or anything. Okay. So I wouldn't look too into that. Okay. I wouldn't limit if you're listening to this podcast and you're you know curious about poker and you feel like you need I'll, I'll tell you that you i don't think you need to fit a certain mold to become successful at poker there are traits that successful poker players have but i think you can develop and hone those traits so for example it's common in trading too which is some pretty similar to poker in my opinion as a, a job trading trade you know trading stuff currencies as as a profession they're both zero-sum games so basically if someone wins money someone else lost that money Mm -hmm. so a trait that's common amongst these fields is that you have to make decisions not based on emotion it's very easy that something not go your way and then you kind of get annoyed or irritated mad when you're basically not on your mental a game we'll, we'll say you're like on tip like that, that's the main one. But but in the beginning, almost 100% of poker players, you're, you're going to be emotional. When you lose, you're going to be like, oh, this sucks. But as you get more experience and you're playing more and putting in more hours, that should start to die down. So that's the main one, being able to make decisions, non-emotional decisions. Okay. The next main one is your risk, uh, the opposite of risk averse. Basically, you risk probably tolerant. Have- you have an appetite for risk. You don't mind risk. Mm-hmm. You know, typically higher risk, high reward. You're all about that. What's an example of being risk tolerant in poker? Oh, well, like, basically in poker, it takes money to make money, right? Yeah. So you're going to basically have to put your money on the line mm-hmm. in some way, some proportion to win money. Okay. So in that aspect is so, what I mean by risk. So you're saying if you're more you conservative and you're playing poker... Typically, your opponents will be able to read that, read you, and can tell, or people will be able to take advantage of that. Like, why can someone who's risk averse not be able to play poker, even if they maybe study it or fundamentally understand it and like try to make decisions not based on emotion? Like, why is. Oh, oh, right, right. Yeah. So, so one thing about like people reading it, I think that typically you probably can tell if someone is, we call it scared money, right? Someone who's basically like what we just talked about, risk averse. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see it in a live setting, but you're not always playing live, right? So that isn't the main con or that isn't the main issue with being risk averse. The main issue with being risk averse is the most plus EV decision, which means expected value. Some of these decisions will require you to put a lot of money in the middle. And some of these times you're going to be bluffing. 
And what that means is basically you don't have the winning hand. Mm -hmm. So you, your goal when you're bluffing is you want them to fold. So when they fold, when they fold, you get everything that's in the middle. So you're risking potentially a lot to get what's in the middle. And if they call you, then you lose mm -hmm. most likely because you are bluffing yeah. with a bad hand. So a lot of times if you're naturally tend to be more risk averse, you're going to be less comfortable bluffing in a lot of spots, which means you're going to be under bluffing, which means you're not playing optimally. Mm -hmm. Because which, you need a, you need a balance of bluffing and non-bluffing. And, and in you, order to bluff, you don't need to in all situations, but in general, in the hierarchy of the direction you want to go as a poker player, like you want to be more and more, or at least understand more and more balanced strategy mm -hmm. as you get to higher levels. Okay. So that's all to say is being risk tolerant allows you to make the necessary bluffs in your opinion easier, or you would think to do that, or you'd be more comfortable doing that. And that's a skill that you need to have. And that's a balance that you need to be able to maintain in order to be a winning player. You could still be a winning player without, that's the thing about poker. It's not like there's like a hundred percent right formula, right? Mm -hmm. You could be basically someone who bluffs a shitload. And you could be a winning player. You could have someone who bluffs almost zero mm -hmm. and you could be a winning player, but, and you could also have different win rates among those people. Okay. So I think looking forward into your future career decisions and what, where you want to go with your life, where, where have you seen your path in the short term versus kind of the medium term or long term? Are you going to stick with poker? What's, what's kind of your take on how poker players transition from playing poker early on in their career and then moving forward from that or, or whatnot? Yeah, so I don't have poker in my long-term vision. Ideally, and you know, these kind of questions always change. If you ask me yeah. 10 years ago what I think I'm doing in five years, it's completely different with what happened. But as far as like now, ideally, I would want to play poker full-time a few more years between short and medium term. Yeah. Like short term is like one year. And I've always been into startups, entrepreneurial stuff. Mm -hmm. So ideally, as decreasing my poker volume, I'm increasing that volume in other projects. Okay. So what does that come down to at this point? Right. What but what I'm you're saying is it, you're at a point where you can use poker as a sustainable income and a sustainable income generator for you to lower the volume and like lower the time commitment but then also pursue other opportunities like as you see fit in the medium or, or long term poker is something you can always come back to is that how you see it i don't know if i'm seeing it as something i can always come back to per se but yeah i am just seeing it as something that i would definitely probably be burned out at some point if i just continued like okay. you know years 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 did you go into it thinking i want to make x amount of money and then leave and do something else or did you go into it just thinking, I want to be able to make a sustainable or income? Or did you go into thinking, I want to make a lot of money really quickly or over a certain period of time? I think a combination of all the things you said, but then at the same time, a combination of everything you, not everything you said. Okay. I think you're... I think you're giving me more credit for when I initially started, <laughs> what I was thinking in the future. Like when I was whatever, 20, like low 20s, I yeah. wasn't thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to... My goal is to make two million in poker, then I'm gonna quit, or my goal is to whatever, blah blah blah. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of going Yeah, it's interesting to hear. Going with the flow at we'll say. Um, 
like I don't think when I started poker, I was necessarily thinking that I wouldn't stick with poker actually. Mm -hmm. So it's actually after a few years went by that I was like, you know what? I'm not necessarily tired of it right now, but I feel like I'm going to be tired of it maybe like on the horizon. Okay. So thanks, Fred. This was really interesting learning about why you chose poker over a traditional job out of undergrad, what a week in the life looks like, what a day in the life looks like. And when you realize you could play poker professionally and how did you weigh the pros and cons? Also, what kind of mindset you need to have as a professional poker player? And then if there's similar personality traits among poker players, also your future career decisions and how long you think you're going to stick with poker. So thanks everyone for listening to this next episode. If you have any feedback or want to hear about a certain topic or career or career transition, please email me at careerchangingingyour20s at gmail.com. Also, please follow this podcast if you enjoy the content and rate it five stars on Apple or Spotify podcasts, wherever you are listening. So thanks. Tune into the next episode. Cheers and happy listening. Mm-hmm.